what is happening party people welcome to the big dudes in the trenches podcast i am doug joined by bug and tug the three amigos back in action thank you very much for tuning in football was played it was meaningful i am happy and the navy got absolutely butt fucked so there's nothing new for them (laughs) that's what they signed up for (laughs) no there's no such thing as unmeaningful football in college football so get your head on the nfl freak (laughs) if if you had paused there i was gonna say no no there is it's called the nfl preseason where your fantasy players just get injured that's why you don't draft during the preseason. You wait till Correct. the end. Correct. You wait till after after cut day, which <laughs> which is today. But we're not talking the about the sixty nine man nonsense. roster. Hold hold on. Oh, Before right. we get into the reviews, I I got a shout out to uh, Ben's wife here, who based on a by name request has pulled Doug out of fantasy football retirement into a casual league, and Doug is drafting at the one oh one. I'm yeah. I'm gonna take. Definitely going to take Holton Naylor's number one overall. Good. Good. Do it. You won't. (laughs) Manchester. (laughs) Going to take Tim DeMorat, number one overall. Uh, Tim Tebow. (laughs) Tim DeMorat was definitely the only reason that Fordham was any good. Anyway, we'll get there in a moment. We have uh, several (laughs) games to review from week zero. And then uh, we'll, we'll have a little bit of discussion on what it's going to look like going forward because week zero is definitely different than normal. Week one is on the way though. We have big things coming for the show and in all of college football, of course, very, very excited that the season is officially underway. I went and saw a game in person this weekend. Felt incredible. With a a floating scoreboard and all. Yeah. And I actually kind of appreciated the weather delay because it was a hundred plus in nashville and then the rain came and it was like 78 and it was very comfortable at night in vanderbilt stadium half of vanderbilt for hawaii too but (laughs) we'll get to all that here in a minute anything else you guys want to shout out before we get into the games we have games to review it's been an entire year since that happened I don't. I don't have anything to shout out right now. I definitely have stuff to talk about at the end, though. So we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. I bet. Leaving us on a cliffhanger. I like it. Is it though? Not well, really. We, we have stuff to talk about until then. <laughs> uh, we'll go in the order that these games were scheduled. That's not exactly how things ended up, but I didn't want to change up the slides, so it is what it is. <laughs> we're starting with the one that came first which was Navy against Notre Dame in Ireland. 32,000 people traveled to Ireland from the United States, and in addition to all the people that were in Ireland and people who came from other countries. Uh, Almost all of those 32,000 were Notre Dame fans, and they were very happy. We got it all correct. Picking Notre Dame here. It was under the average, though. Notre Dame did perform under average. Technically correct, but also, why do, did they have to try anymore? Sam <laughs> Hartman threw four touchdowns, and then I was like, that's probably fine. I can go sit on the bench now, and uh, we'll wait for next week against Tennessee State for a real challenge. <laughs> so, so I do get to say, Sam Hartman looked outstanding throughout this game. The poise he showed, everything. Uh, we knew he was legit at Wake Forest. He looks more legit now. Uh, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to see him play. And honestly, Notre Dame might not be as mediocre as we all expected this year. I know it's hard to say against Navy, which is why I'm only going not as mediocre. But uh, we'll see here after they have their real test against Tennessee State. That does sound like a don't... lot of faith in the Navy defense for some reason. That's completely unfounded. <laughs> I don't yes, know. The Navy defense was completely unfounded. I don't right. know where you where you thought Notre Dame was going to be at this year. I I'm not entirely sure myself, but I did know with Sam Hartman the offense would be better. I thought that was kind of a, a foregone conclusion. 
uh, it is kind of tough to judge it off of Navy. It's going to be even tougher to judge it off of Tennessee State, all joking aside. You know, uh, we're going to have to wait until about week four when they take on Ohio State to really see just how good this team is. Now, that being said, they doubled the spread practically, and I don't think anybody was really all that surprised by that either. Navy, I think the bigger story here is just how lost Navy continues to look what firing Ken Niamatololo really did them no good. They they didn't make any progress one way or another. Like, if you're going to fire your coach, you fire the entire coaching staff, generally speaking. Navy's defense was not terrible last year, but it also wasn't good enough to justify hiring their defensive coordinator as your new head coach. Look, we all expected a transition period for Navy, but it seems like they're not even trying to make a change. It's all the, the same stuff, which again, I understand they're limited. I, this is just a tough one. This is going to be tough to swallow. It's I'm not used to seeing a Navy look that poor on every side of the football. I think if you're going to promote from within, it would have to be from the defensive side of the ball because that's the only side of the ball you've had any consistency I agree. over the past decade. Yeah. that The offenses have had a couple of flashes but nothing, nothing to tell you that the offensive coaching staff is legitimately the reason why. You see, yeah. Keenan Reynolds is probably the reason why they used to be good on offense. Ma- Malcolm Perry <laughs> was not a bad backup right. either. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they uh, and they definitely had a few, you know, a couple good years there. But it, the biggest thing that I have a problem with, and like I know that the triple options their game. I know we're probably going to have this conversation if Army or Air Force gets blown out like this. I know that there's not a lot of practice that's put into passing, but you get down that bad and you're like, you don't have anything in the back pocket. You only make seven pass attempts the entire game. Like I know, I understand, you know, triple options, what you live and die by, but this is, (laughs) this is horrible. Where I say they, they look bad too, really comes down to, like you said, the triple option. I'm not expecting them to come out and pass. I am expecting them to control the clock at least to some degree, and they just they could not get anything going. Uh, Navy had keyed their fullback, and it seems like he's their only player on that offense that can make a play. Uh, that's going to be a long season for them if they aren't – like it's one thing to be single-sided with just a run game. It's another thing to be single-sided with one player that can actually move the football. I do want to be a little bit positive here, so we'll flip back to Notre Dame for a second. Uh, so I did not really trust that Sam Hartman was going to look this good this quickly at Notre Dame. There was a bit of a concern for me that Wake Forest really has a pretty simplistic offense, and the way they play the offensive side of the ball does help like it keys in on Sam Hartman's strengths as a player getting into a more of a pro style offense is usually a lot more difficult. I think this is the best move for him if he wants to see the NFL because it gets him exposure to a new style of offense that is closer to what pro style offenses actually look like. I didn't expect it to be this easy for him though. I mean, 300 yards, four touchdowns before he, sat for the rest of the game, ended up 42-3. to Sam Hartman looked totally comfortable. Yep. I was surprised. You know, and I I wonder, too, you know, there's been so much talk about the transfer portal and all, you know, all this other stuff going on in college football and how it's a bad thing, yada, yada, yada. I really do think that in this case, at least for Sam Hartman, the transfer portal was absolutely a good thing. And how could – I mean, how could you not think it was a good thing for Sam Hartman right now? I I agree completely. I have one more thing to add on this game, but it's going to be the last thing before we move on. Do you guys have anything else? Go for it. All right. To whoever posted on social media that the Americans have exported the beer snake to Ireland, you could never have been more wrong. They know what that is. They do it themselves at soccer games. This was not the first time they had seen a beer snake. In fact, it's probably one of the smaller ones they had seen. Did they run out of beer this year like they did last year? I don't think so. They learned their lesson. They planned a little bit better, and they were bringing (laughs) in some Irish Catholics from the United States. They had to prepare better. So, (laughs) I mean, no offense to Nebraska drinkers, but 
Catholics are known for it. That's a different level. <laughs> Damn right. <clears throat> Next up, we had an FCS game on mainline ESPN. North Alabama against Mercer in, I think this was the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Like, yep. They're yeah, really FCS elevating the FCS this year. Pretty awesome. Uh, we'll say this game took almost six hours because of a weather delay. That's kind of brutal. Uh, don't think it really affected the outcome too much, although it was, I think, 7-7 at the break. and It definitely it definitely did affect the outcome, I think. Okay. Uh, I did not get the opportunity to watch the entire game uh, because no place where this game was available did they edit out the hour and a half long break. And I just – I was like, nope, we're not – even if I can scrub through it, I'm not messing with this. Oof. North Alabama, you know, I watched some highlights and the announcers gave him credit as well. You know, even the bits and pieces I saw, they were pressing the ball down the field. They were pressuring Mercer. They did not make it easy for him. They really had a lot of opportunities to win this. And Mercer, frankly, shot themselves in the foot. If they weren't so, so much better than North Alabama, uh, we could have seen a similar situation to that Fordham Albany game where things just did not go right for Fordham at all. We'll get there in a minute. Uh, there was a field goal that Mercer missed that would have tied it at 10 and would have really carried some momentum for North Alabama. But, uh, you know, when you kick it off the back of your center, uh, that makes it hard for the ball to go through the uprights. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mercer, Mercer also muffed a punt and had a fumble inside North Alabama's 10. Otherwise, this game could have been a it could have been a completely different score. That that muff punt led to Mercer, North Alabama's touchdown. It just seemed like there were some small execution pieces, and this is why we see you know big FBS schools kicking off against FCS teams ninety nine times out of a hundred because you do something small like that against an FCS school, you'll probably win. And it was kind of the same case for Mercer with North Alabama being you know coming off of a, a what two win three win season. One win season, maybe even. Right. I don't. I don't think North Alabama is going to be that bad again this year. They're going to have a much better squad. I I will say that, you know, kicking the field goal into your offensive line, muffing the punt, fumble inside the ten. Those are going to be a theme here for the next at least few games. Uh, at least about week zero mistakes like these things happen, especially in week zero. And again, that's why you see a lot of these teams play cupcake opponents in week one um, or week zero in this case. Mercer is able to pull it out, but yeah, the, those week zero mistakes, simple mental mistakes are going to be a theme throughout the rest of the show. That is why the NFL has a preseason. We that is not. exactly we week why. zero <laughs> and week zero is beautiful. And we love it very it much. It is facts. <laughs> uh, so we all got that one right though. At the end of the day, Mercer is just out talented them. Love that. Yep. <laughs> Very nice for the record books for us. Uh, next up, that's Utah about to at, end. At Jacksonville State, Bug stays a perfect three for three here. Jacksonville State wins their first ever FBS game, seventeen to fourteen, against the Miners. And oh my gosh, UTEP was coming back with a vengeance, but they really hurt themselves early and had no shot of actually completing that comeback. Man, three turnovers is a killer. All three yeah. of them were in key <laughs> moments when the team was driving. Gavin Hardison needs to figure out what's going on back there. And I, you know, one pick, I understand even two picks. It's, it's the fumbles that get me. Um, I, I never like when somebody fumbles. Yeah. And Jacksonville state it's did this all on the ground. Pretty much. Navy should take notes. <laughs> Jacksonville State play only had to open the year next what, year. What, well, hold on. Jacksonville State did pass the ball twenty times. They did. Navy should take also, notes. Well, yeah. Only got true. sixty-seven yards. True, but Zion Webb was probably even better as a runner than he was as a passer. Like yeah. the passing game was not at all the reason Jacksonville State was even no. in this game, let alone win. They had like three rushers that felt like they could do whatever they wanted to whenever they were on the field. And UTEP just was incompetent at times. 
at at the worst times, honestly, too. (laughs) Brutal. Also, I wasn't tracking this until I watched the game and the announcers said this. I haven't verified this, but I'm going to trust the announcers, even though that's probably dumb. Zion Webb, quarterback for Jacksonville State, apparently is a seventh-year player and has two children. Um, that's crazy. Philip Rivers, to for still be still be a college student playing college football, married with two kids. <laughs> you gotta have next level time management skills. That is crazy. And then he yeah. came out and won against UTEP here, their first FBS game, their first conference game in Conference USA. Oh man, what the happens field looked when atrocious. They- because they cut out of the section of the field that had their old uh, conference logo and just plopped down a new piece of turf that was a good. Right. with that Conference USA right. logo on it. That's that is Conference USA quality <laughs> yes. field management right there. That's top Conference <laughs> USA uh, field quality. I know that's the best you could ask for. Probably most likely, if it were a lower profile game, this was just buried in week one somewhere. They just wouldn't have changed it. The conference logo on the field, probably. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was expecting oh, I was expecting more out of UTEP. They came out flat. They weren't – it seems like they honestly weren't ready for the game or that they were looking past Jacksonville State, which, no offense, you're not that good of a program to look past really anybody. You're, you're a good program, guy, but no. you're not that good. You're not that guy. <laughs> you're not that guy, right. pal. And, you know – Go Cox. Yeah, yeah. You're a big Cox supporter. <laughs> Moving right along. Yep. Next up. We uh we, we got talking on this one. We all took New Mexico State in the battle against the Minutemen. And uh you know, UMass and- proved why militias are superior to bandits such as the Aggies. Gotta say, that's very encouraging for uh, you know a couple of guys in the military actively here. Glad that you know organized forces are usually superior. That's nice. Also, uh, amazingly, this is—I mean—that is generous for the Air Force. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this is UMass's first road win since 2018. <laughs> Can we just give a shout out to 20, 24 games, 24 game <laughs> losing streak on the road. And their last one was against UConn. So that's the yeah. level of team competing on the road. And in fairness, yeah. New Mexico state made a game of it. When I looked at it last, uh, it was like, I think it was 41 to 20 or 14, something like that. Like New Mexico state tried. They didn't just roll over, which is good. Cause that'd have been even more embarrassing. So the announcers were saying it, and I noticed this. UMass's defense is really good throughout the game. Like, that is the difference in this game. Until you get into what most of us would consider garbage time. And then UMass's defense is really good at letting up very big chunk plays. That yeah, can be... but they did also get a fourth quarter pick six, which basically... Oh, 100%. It. It, so. <laughs> it, that absolutely did. Um, I, I was not prepared for UMass's defense to look respectable. At all this year. No, I I wasn't prepared to see UMass put up 41 points. Well, that too. <laughs> I wasn't prepared to see New Mexico State lose by 11 points to open the season. Against UMass. Against At home. UMass. Yeah. Uh, Diego Pavia threw two interceptions and fumbled once on a sack fumble. Uh, that's a theme this week. UMass won <laughs> a turnover battle and won the game. That tends to happen. That's how that works. That's why coaches talk about that kind of thing. Nope. I hold on to the football. Don't drop my baby sister, guys. Please don't drop my baby sister. It's my baby sister. Get out of here. <laughs> I do want to say Tyson Pumachon really wasn't that incredible necessarily, like on the stat sheet, but he did everything, just about everything right. Like I he- couldn't have necessarily asked more of him. He made the right plays at the right times, which for UMass is a big difference in their offense. That's why they're now scoring, on average, 41 points this year. Uh, wow, that's amazing. 
<laughs> Hope they can keep that up. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Probably not. They also did not have a passing touchdown. So as much as we talked about Jacksonville State winning on the ground, uh, UMass did the same. It's kind of incredible. Navy, you ought to take notes. <laughs> I I can't deny you there. But I can also say I understand why Tyson Pumachan was not a starter at a Power 5 program. I mean, I don't knock the guy for not having a passing touchdown when they were it, running in at will. Wow. We'll talk about running at will in a bit. <laughs> I mean, we have three times already. So. <laughs> yeah. There is a theme. Here's, right. So here's a game where I was chastised for not trusting a team and telling them, I fucking hate them. They've burned me. And look, yeah. look what happened. They burned you, Doug. Yeah, so actually, it wasn't Curtis Rourke who burned me. It was Tim Albin, the head coach of Ohio, who burned me. Because he straight up said, Curtis Rourke was pissed that we sat in the rest of the game. He wanted in so badly. And it was not an injury to the same leg that was the ACL last year. We just didn't feel comfortable with a potential issue at all. We need Curtis Rourke for later in the year. And Curtis Rourke was like, guys, I feel fine. It was a sack that was the change of a quarter. I didn't have to get up quickly. Like it wasn't even, I wasn't hurt at all. And they're like, (laughs) no, we just, we want to be careful because you're the only hope that we have of being good this year. And that was apparently true because CJ Harris came in (laughs) and for the next three quarters threw three interceptions, San Diego state won this turnover battle three to one. Holy shit. Explains the fucking game. Oh my gosh, dude. (laughs) Brutal. I I am not a happy camper with this one. San Diego State won 20 to 13. It was that close, and Curtis Rourke didn't even play three quarters of it. You can't tell me Ohio would not have won that game if he wasn't in the entire time. (laughs) Oh, but they burned you. That's the point I'm trying to make here. It would have been a lot closer. (laughs) I I do think this was actually a really good game. San Diego State has given me some things to worry about. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Such a great game. The fact that you get three interceptions and can't put up three touchdowns does kind of concern me um, on a few different levels. That San I mean, Diego State offense is, is definitely slower than I let's, expect. I mean, let's it let's is a give, offense. <laughs> and let's give some credence to Ohio, right? As much as I want to pick on Doug here, they do have a good team. They do have a good defense. This, yeah, as no much shit. as some of these week zero games are tune-ups, this one was a competition from start to finish. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it's fantastic. Good for them. Good for the Aztecs. Yep. Unreal, man. I can't believe that. We talked about how Ohio does this to people. And so they, they did, it to you. did it We're moving on. Next <laughs> up, uh, we had Fordham at Albany. And we got we got skunked again, which I am also very disappointed in because the more I sat here looking at this game, the more I genuinely wanted to pick Albany. And I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Especially looking at the score last year, especially looking at they were bringing in, Fordham was bringing in a brand new quarterback who hasn't really even started before anywhere. And he's coming into Fordham now where he's expected to perform at the level of they're used to Tim Demorat. I mean, that's that's a high bar to clear when you have a guy who's passing for over four thousand yards a year the past two years. And then you get Montez in there, and it's uh, Fordham doesn't look the same. And I kind of expected that, but I also thought they were going to just straight up out talent Albany, like what happened with Mercer in North Alabama, and mm-hmm. that didn't happen at all. Thirty four thirteen for Albany. Oh my gosh. It was actually a sold-out game, too. <laughs> Hometown crowd coming through. Well, and, and I'll say it, too. You know, Re- I'd say he, it wasn't a great game. Reese Poffenberger threw four touchdowns for 253 yards. Okay, let's get that out of the way quick. I hope he gets drafted by the Steelers. That's a very Steelers <laughs> <He might>. quarterback name. <laughs> he might. 
Uh, average 6.3 and passing just over 50% completion rate on 23 of 40. This was not uh, the Fordham had chances to force mistakes and force the game, and they just weren't able to do it. Like that, nothing was going their way on offense. Two fumbles with one of them, they act they recovered on their own. So they they helped themselves a little bit there, but they they couldn't get out of their own way, is how it felt all day. Yeah, and take a wild guess uh, who dominated the time of possession and the turnover battle. And uh, who was better running the ball? It was all, all Albany. And another thing, a very underrated stat from this game too. Albany was nine of sixteen on third downs. Meanwhile, Fordham was wow. two for twelve with a one point two yards per carry average. Yeah, that's that's they game breaking in the and ball. of itself. Uh, yeah, and then you got Fordham that's at 4.9 yards per carry. So they're, again, another very efficient run game. Pass game didn't have to be super effective and flashy. Obviously, it was effective enough to get four touchdowns. Obviously, it was effective enough to throw for over 250 yards. But you can afford to miss almost half of your passes when you're running the ball almost yep. five yards at a time. And I don't think any of their running backs – I think all their running backs had about a six-yard per average uh, – yard per carry average. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it was disgusting. That, I, I just got to say, that is uh, pretty wild. If you've seen both of these teams play for the last three years, I mean, that is a surprising result there. Definitely a great upset for the Great Danes. That's just brutal look, <laughs> for us. Look, we only got skunked <laughs> twice this week, okay? Yes. It's going to happen true. many, many more times. Let's let's be honest here. But that's only a spoiler for one of our games remaining, so let's keep rolling here. Uh, next up, Hawaii at Vanderbilt, which definitely did not start at 7.30 Eastern time. It started like two hours after that because lightning within eight miles – Okay. There was only lightning within five that stopped everything. Yeah, no, Vanderbilt apparently says eight miles. Yeah, fair. Uh, which is crazy because they're in Nashville, not in Detroit. But it is what it is. God damn it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, Bug, you picked Hawaii here, which we kind of clowned you for, but you kind of had a point. You were onto something there. I understand. The logic after it was it was not so much my faith in Hawaii as it is my faith in Vanderbilt being bad, and Vanderbilt is bad. Pretty good. Hawaii, (laughs) Hawaii almost did it. They almost did it. But it was thirty-five twenty-eight Vanderbilt at the end. What's up, Tug? I was gonna say that comeback that Hawaii was mounting at the end was kind of nuts. Uh, I think the announcers were. I forget if it was this game or another game, but no, it was a previous game. Hawaii, I thought, actually had that onside kick would have been absolutely game changing. If they were able to pick up that onside kick, the dude, the dude was out by an elbow. I mean, that is uh the dude's elbow touched the white before he possessed the ball, and that's why it went to Vanderbilt. It honestly didn't change a whole lot though, because it's not like the Vanderbilt offense did anything later. <laughs> no, but you you don't feel as rushed. You're not as prone yeah. to mistakes, and you're already at the forty. Which then did lead to the game ceiling interception at the end yep. there after after the punt and the next drive for Hawaii. Uh, Derricky Wright had two interceptions in this game. The only two turnovers, I think. No, there was a fumble. I think somewhere in there. I got you. I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Either way. Ricky Wright had an awesome game at defensive back, an interception in the end zone, and the game sealer in the fourth quarter that let Vandy kneel out the rest of the clock. 35-28 is not we're gonna not we're gonna look past enough. we're gonna look past special teams being special with a kickoff return for a touchdown by Jaden McCown, too. We're definitely not gonna overlook that. I just, you know, didn't get there yet. I mean, if we're if we're talking about things that change the game, I'd say that that's probably as big as any of the picks because Vanderbilt's offense clearly wasn't efficient enough to do anything with either of those touch with either of those uh, interceptions. Well, with 
with those two interceptions, that's the only reason they were able to hold Hawaii to 28. Exactly. Vanderbilt's offense only got them to 28 as well. And the kickoff return for a touchdown is ended up being the difference in the game, which is wild. Uh, also, SEC, SEC. <laughs> it also, just neither team, more. neither team could run the ball very well at all. Like, legitimately, these might be two of the worst offensive lines in the entire country. This it was kind of brutal. <laughs> Look, that's going to be more brutal for Vanderbilt playing against the SEC yeah. than it is for Hawaii. I would yeah. not want to play quarterback for Vanderbilt this year. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I No, I'm good. So if AJ's one transfers next year, we will know why. Because <laughs> um, he's not bad. He made a couple of decent throws. There were some that were off target, but that's when it was raining the heaviest. I'll give him some benefit of the doubt. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about Vanderbilt right now. I had a lot of faith in him going into the season for no good reason. And they do have a couple of Why? receivers that looked all right. Because I wanted to, all right? Get off my back. <laughs> yeah, at least it was a fun time. They have free uh, soda Beer? refills. You well, yeah. How else are they going to get people into the fucking game? I got a pulled the pork sandwich zone. with kettle chips for five bucks, and then I got a souvenir cup that I could just refill, and I got like eight Diet Pepsis. <laughs> I, I approve. Because <laughs> it was included in the experience. And also, it's all, the entire stadium's like under construction right now. They're closing off the end zones to make it an actual bowl. And... uh we had to go in on my side of the stadium that I was sitting in. We had to go through the basketball arena and then like off the concourse of the football stadium, you could walk onto the outfield of the baseball field too. Like I didn't realize they were all literally right next to each other. That's like a high school setup almost. I have everything right there like that. I know. It was actually kind of cool. And Vanderbilt's campus is way bigger than I thought it was. So it, there's no reason for them to be right next to each other like that. Yeah. But that's how it is. And it's kind of cool. I, I like respect it. it. But also, they, the is, uh, scoreboard was of, supported by two cranes, as well it, as the netting for the uprights off yes. the same crane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't part of what they're doing actually connecting the basketball stadium and the football stadium? Like, so you can kind of, like you just said, but like, at that, I think it's the north end zone. Basically, just use that same concourse and walk between the two. I mean, that's how it is right now. They didn't yeah. have to add any construction to make that happen. That's how it is. Fair. I mean, that's <laughs> literally had to walk. We walked through some of the seating in the basketball arena to get to the concourse for the football stadium. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> just a huge procession of like the all 20 people who went to that side of the stadium. It was a great time. I thought you were going to say to that game, and I was like, yeah, sounds about right. No, there were about that many people on the other side, too. There's only half the, 40, half the 40, stadium. 40, 50 Polks. <laughs> That's not fair. There were at least a dozen more than that. Let's move on <laughs> to <laughs> Jackson State or South Carolina State. I made a mistake. Another, yeah, you another, did. Another big time FCS Week Zero kickoff game in Atlanta, Georgia on ABC. Jackson State stomped the ever loving shit out of South Carolina State in this one. 37 Dude, to 7. Jackson and, State uh, won every single thing you can cool. on that field. That's nice. Uh, it's they won in every facet of the game. Which is crazy because you picked South Carolina State. I know. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, don't know what you're thinking. Part of it was I was not sure what they're going to look like after the, the huge exodus of players. Yeah. Uh, fun fair. fact, they they still have Irv Mulligan, who is a running back I didn't even know the name of that is really good and hard to bring down. Uh, and oh, then my Jason, gosh. Are you on the random running backs train with me now? I might be. It's uh, amazing. But then – but then again, Jason Brown comes out in 26 for 30 for 356 and three scores. What? Like, that's almost a 90. 
It's almost a 90% completion percentage. Uh, here's the thing. Warn people that is against South Carolina State, and they are not going to be good this year. Just put that yeah. out there. Well, but here's the other thing you got to consider too, John. And I did. I wanted you to stick with South Carolina State because I wanted to take a lead selfishly. Jackson <laughs> State's been a brand long before Deion Sanders was there. I, it I understand recruit that. on its own to a degree. So even with the coaching change, like yes, did they lose players? Absolutely. This is not the same team everybody saw from a year ago or even two years ago. Yes, there's going to be some changes here. They're probably not going to have the same record that they did last year. I would and they're probably almost not going to bring in any more five stars in the next couple yeah, of Yeah, that's probably not going to happen again. But at the same time, they're still a very good team. They're going to be very good in the SWAC this year. I mean, we said it potentially going to the Celebration Bowl again. I, I do want to say that, and we highlighted him in our previews, and it was absolutely legit. Patrick Godbolt is a defensive tackle for South Carolina State. Fantastic name. He mm-hmm. is the lone, like, bright spot for South Carolina State that I could see. Uh, he had two sacks in this game. Uh, unfortunately, those were also his only two tackles, but on both of those sacks, he was partially bl- blocked away from the from the quarterback and still drove and in. I have it in the notes here. He's got incredible motor and a nose for the football to go and finish that play. Uh, and on both of those sacks, that's exactly what happened. You love watching guys finish. God damn it. <laughs> no, it's great to highlight some big dudes in the trenches making massive plays at the right time. Getting a pass rushing help on the defensive tackle. You know, out of the defensive tackle spot is huge for any team. Just wish that they had some defensive ends to do that too. And then you might I, have a good defensive line. I don't think it, if Patrick Godbolt does try to go to the next level, he will not be a defensive tackle. He's only about, I want to say 280. So he is primed for that two point stance defensive and outside linebacker size. But at this he level, could, he's doing perfectly fine at defensive tackle. A 3 4 DN could be nice at 280. Yeah. Assuming that's all good weight, you know, we'll see. See, get him in the NFL weight room. See what we can work with. (laughs) But yeah, Jackson State looks very good. And T.C. Taylor seems to have been exactly the right hire at the right time. Yeah. Getting getting a JSU alum back in the program to take over after all the hype of Deion Sanders. Get somebody who knows the program, knows the area, and can still invigorate the fan base keep the actual you know true core fan base intact and even maintain a couple of the bandwagons that came on board with Deion Sanders because TC Taylor's just actually legitimately good at this especially when it was you know Deion Sanders kind of just left him out in the cold you know right i i will say too that that was on display as they were needing the ball out because the entire stadium broke into chance of TC, TC, TC. That's awesome. It's got to feel good. Yeah. No, it was a loss for me. Yeah, it was. (laughs) (laughs) But at least we all got the next one right. Uh, San Jose State did not complete the epic... Upset. What it would be. that's That's not an upset at that point. That would be something way beyond that. I don't know. I don't know they, a good word for it. That's why I was pausing. USC be, might uh, be in a lot of trouble this year, though. Yes, and I do want to get there. But if San Jose State won this, I would have, have legitimately. I don't even know what we're we're gonna. I'll think about it because <laughs> it will happen this year. I'm pretty sure uh, USC did not look that good. At a couple of really important spots. Uh, here's here's two things that we know for sure about Southern California, which I think we all already knew, but we're very much confirmed by this game. Number one, Caleb Williams is good at football. Yep. Good yes, yes, he is. Shocking. It's important. It's important. Uh, number two, the entire USC defense sucks at football. <laughs> look look are we sure the, that usc didn't accidentally join the wrong big conference because tell me this doesn't feel a lot like 2019 oklahoma vibes right now 
yeah, so they should have gone to the SEC with, with Texas and Oklahoma. No, the no defense conference. That's what it's all about. That's what the SEC is known for, right? Just having shit defense. Yeah. It just means more points. <laughs> I was meant. I meant they were supposed to go to the Big Twelve, but you know, hey, I so know yeah. what you were meaning. We know what you, you meant. You terrible you, stereotype. You ruined it. You ruined it. Good. Uh, all right, so I, I do want to shout out San Jose State last year averaged 95 rushing yards per game. It's really Solid. not that bad. 100 yards a game is, is awesome. You know, if you can do that consistently every time from a single player, you have a great player on your team. From a team, 100 yards a game, really not that good. They were at the bottom end of the entire country in the FBS in that statistic. This game, they rushed for 198 yards. They said they were going to fix over, the running game, and they did. They over doubled their average per game last year against what is supposed to be one of the best teams in the entire country. That's a problem for the supposed best team in the entire country. Uh, also, Shaven Cordero threw for 198 yards. Crazy. That's the same exact total yardage as they had rushing the ball. Talk Two about for balance. 98 as well. And three touchdowns with no interceptions. Um, if USC cannot create turnovers the way they did last year, this defense is going to be exposed once they have a true talent match in any Which game. Which might USC not be until they play Utah. That's going to be about the only time that happens this year. I've Ben or Notre Dame. They play guys, Notre Dame. That's right. I've been trying to tell you guys, there are several teams in the Pac-12 this year who are legitimately solid at a lot of things. I think USC is going to struggle with Washington. I think they're going to struggle with Oregon this year. They're going to struggle with Oregon State. They're going to struggle with UCLA. There are some things that those teams do that USC cannot match. The physicality, the strength on defense – Actual good scheming on defense. Hey, Alex hey Doug. Grinch is one of the worst defensive coordinators of all time. Hey, Doug. There was one of those teams that's still going to be in the Pac-12 next year. Mm-hmm. So I will continue to not care about them. But the other ones, when they switch conferences, I'll care about them. You're right. only doing this to hurt me. I know you don't actually mean it. Because Oregon State <laughs> is in the top 25 right now. And they're legitimately awesome. All right. So I will say this. I'm uh, not it buying feels, it. It feels <laughs> weird <laughs> to say this. USC's defense might have a real litmus test next week. Not because they're playing a good opponent, but because if they put up this same performance, I will be the loudest person calling them pretenders. Uh, no, as they play... I'll, I'll be talking over you. The he's, he's ahead of you. He's, he's already ahead of you. Oh, I'm ready to call them pretenders now, but if you can't get a turnover against Nevada, you have a problem. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I if do also let... want to say... Uh, one thing that looks really good for them, other than Caleb Williams, I'll say, is their true freshman wide receiver, Zachariah Branch, who had kick return touchdown and a receiving touchdown, looked phenomenal. Other than that, though, fascinating to me that the other receivers who caught touchdown passes were all transfers. Like, I think this is indicative of more indicative of the level of talent at USC before Lincoln Riley got there as opposed to what Lincoln Riley's been able to do in recruiting. But it is still interesting to me to be have a team full of transfers. That's kind of what everybody's criticizing Colorado for right now. And nobody's talking about it with USC, even though all the different touchdowns for wide receivers came to former Memphis Tiger Taj Washington they're true freshmen. The one guy that they recruited, Zachariah Branch, who caught a touchdown. It's awesome. Uh, former Arizona Wildcat, Dorian Singer, and former Colorado Buffalo, Brendan Rice. That is wild. Here's here's the thing. Aside from Arizona, and even Arizona for that matter, all three of the school, all three of the transfers came from bad programs or traditionally bad programs. Arizona, you maybe argue traditionally good. I mean, Same thing with Colorado. Colorado and Arizona right. have been awful in the in the very recent past. Memphis has been historically horrendous, and Taz Washington left because he wasn't being utilized well there. So, I mean, it's 
Why? Why would anybody suspect that this would be a good receiving core? I don't because blame, they have Caleb Williams throwing the football. I don't blame the receivers for transferring to USC. I'm just finding it curious that they haven't really developed their own guys necessarily right now, and mm. I think that will change. You get like probably more time in the program, but I, I, think, I think that's going to be true of multiple positions for USC this year, and I think it's going to show up in some big spots. I think it will, but this kind of goes back, ironically, to what we were talking about with Notre Dame, where this is a good thing about the transfer portal. Taj Washington, I don't know that he's an NFL talent, but he's definitely getting to display his talents a lot better at USC, and he's playing with a much higher caliber quarterback at USC. That's going to set him up so much better for the next step, assuming that's what he wants to do. This is, and you could say the same thing for uh, Dorian Singer and Brendan Rice. This is... This is why the transfer portal exists, and you know we had a good thing. So now, of course, we're going to put rules on it because the the NCAA got caught with their pants down. I just want to say I don't know if that's necessarily true. Seth Hennigan is awesome. And, I agree. You know. He's not Caleb Williams. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I think he is. I think they're <laughs> twins. I think Caleb Williams plays for two teams, actually. Uh-huh. Look, I I will say there's at least 76% of people out there that are upset about this game because USC missed the spread by two points. Um, It's a bad beat. That's a bad beat. I'm still laughing at my own jokes. We got (laughs) to move on. (laughs) Uh, Final game of week zero, Louisiana Tech hosting the Florida International Panthers. Tug, what are you doing? Hey, this game, I thought for about the first quarter, I was onto something. Yeah, yeah. that's how I, Florida International gets you. I thought I was onto something here, and and then I very quickly was not onto anything. Yeah, FIU had a 17 to 3 lead at the start of the second quarter. That is wild, first of all. I don't think FIU's ever scored that many points in a quarter in their history. Not fact checking that. Don't do unfortunately. That that's all they scored the entire game. <laughs> Louisiana that's forgot just, there was uh, a game going on for the first quarter. They thought it was a scrimmage and then decided to play. That's just classic FIU football right there. So proud of them. Trying their hard, hardest here. Um, Hank Bachmeyer has a new best friend. Threw an interception in the first quarter, wow. which is a big reason why FIU got that 17-3 lead. Didn't throw another one. Ended with 333 yards, one touchdown, only that one pick in the first quarter. 34 for 44 passing. That's a really awesome stat line, especially when you pair it with wide receiver Smoke Harris, which, first of all, that's a really cool name. Love it. Second of all, 155 yards and a touchdown on 11 catches. Holy smokes. I love the other little tidbit you have here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if Smoke Harris keeps this up, he will beat his own uh, yards and touchdowns totals from last season in week five this year. So, you know, <laughs> keep going. Keep it up. That's just like, awful. Yeah. Like I said, it looks like Hank Bachmeyer has a new best friend, and it, it seems very obvious to me that Louisiana Tech – is trying to get to more of an air raid style offense and that's going to work well for them. Well, and I think, I think the other thing you got to look at too, Louisiana tech, Louisiana Monroe, when you look at the state of Louisiana and Louisiana football, all right, Tulane, LSU, I'm probably for, and UL, ULL, I think it's UL, just Louisiana. Just now, UL, right? yeah. Yeah. No, UL is Louisville. Uh, anyway, when you look at all these schools, Louisiana Monroe and Louisiana Tech are def- have definitely fallen behind on the football game. Louisiana Tech doesn't want to be the one in last place. It's similar to what's going on in Texas with all the colleges there. Rice is very much still God. in that last place spot, but North Texas didn't want to be caught there. I don't know, either. Man. UTEP kind of sucks right now. I'm not gonna lie. So does Texas State. I would still I would still Texas pick all of those teams over Rice. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Nobody wants to be stuck in that last place spot, and that's what we're really seeing. With Before this now. week, we had said UTEP was on the up. Yeah, and we haven't seen Texas State play yet, so I can still say that. <laughs> but um, let's go Bobcats. I knew UTEP sucked, though. That's why I didn't pick them. Hmm, crazy, right? 
Yeah, I don't believe stop. you. <laughs> okay, well, he did, you know, pick against you. I know he so did pick against him. That's pretty good evidence for what he's saying that he didn't pick them and didn't believe in them. Gotta say, it's pretty solid. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so this is where we stand right now, Bug, with the early one-game lead over me. Uh, and then, you know, Tug's doing <laughs> I love, all right, I guess. I love the not stonks. I not will stonks. say, the fact that we're all at or above 500 is a really good start to the season. Hey, it's better than it could have been. But also, I'm really pissed because if I would have actually you know, sat with this for an extra day, I would have been at 8-2. and two. Because I had to, gosh, I I really wanted to pick Albany, and I just didn't let myself do it. And then I overthought Ohio, and I yeah. knew I was doing it at the time. And then you called me out on the show, and I defended myself. But oh my gosh, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it in my heart, and I am I'm very angry. I will say. <laughs> I will say, this is weird. I'm not used to seeing Ben's head at the top of the table here. Usually he sits... It's normally bowl season where I do this. I was going to say, usually he's down at the bottom, and then bowl season comes around, and out of nowhere, here's Ben. Right. We have to start building our insurmountable leads, or else Bugs are just going to blow us (laughs) out the water. And this is not a good start for that. So we gotta we no. gotta really pick up the pace. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I uh, did have two prospects we wanted to preview in week zero. Will Shepard, wide receiver for Vanderbilt, caught two touchdown passes, six receptions for 68 yards. Damn it. Did actually have probably two drops, which not a good look. Also, it was raining. A little bit of benefit of the doubt, I guess. Um, also, felt like he really wasn't getting targeted that often in the first half. And then to open the second half, the coaching staff remembered, hey, we ought to target our biggest player on <laughs> offense. And so he got forced Crazy. to the ball three times in a row, and they got like three first downs out of it. So that's really cool. Crazy how that works. Uh, one of the reasons I picked Will Shepard is because I thought this would be an awesome test matchup against Hawaii's six foot two Verdell Edwards that they play at corner. What I didn't realize at the time is that Verdell Edwards is listed at corner, but practically plays a third safety role. And what I mean by that is he is lined up on the outside, but he never plays in press coverage. He is always 10 yards off the line of scrimmage in a zone, even though he's technically lined up as a corner. That really created some easy matchups for Will Shepard, not going to lie. Cut inside of Riddell Edwards, and that's how he got one of his touchdowns. That's how he got another first down. Also, Hawaii never moves their defensive backs. They're lined up in a specific formation. They don't like to switch sides of the field. So Will Shepard was moving all over the place as were all of the other Vanderbilt receivers, definitely makes a difference. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is Will Shepard had a good game. This was not as much of a test as I thought it was going to be, though. And there are some issues. I don't think the route running was really that crisp. And it was raining. Maybe it accounts for some of that as well. And maybe that accounts for the drops. Still hate to see any drops. I don't know. It's uh, If you can keep this up, though, keep up the stat line, it'll at least be impressive on that end. No, that's yeah. true. Yeah. If he ends up with 24 touchdowns in a season, that'd be something else. That'd be impressive. Vaderbilt would actually you know, win more games than they lose, I think. I don't whoa, know. They, whoa, might, whoa. they might lose a lot of games 48 to 14 if he ends up with two <laughs> touchdowns a game. <laughs> that's very possible as well. Next up on the defensive side of the ball, Praise Amehule. Actually corrected the slide this time. He does play for UTEP, not UTSA. <laughs> Very exciting. Good stuff. Um, and he did have a sack. 
which he started the game with. So I don't know why it's that impressive, but (laughs) (laughs) he is now only two sacks away from tying. Actually, no, he's two sacks away from breaking the school record for career sacks, which would be 20. So two more to go for him, which is impressive. I know it's crazy. He's accumulated that many sacks. He's, I guess he's just ripping them off the quarterbacks. I was going to say, he's one and a half sacks from tying it. Yes, that is how that works. Uh, Math. (laughs) Stonks. Did you have, did you get major in finance? Your hail is stonks right now. Nope. Uh, No, I did not. (laughs) I just want to say, though, he got a sack, he got a couple of quarterback pressures. Nice to see. At the same time, oh my gosh, the entire UTEP defensive line is awful at run defense, including Praise Melee. Like, there were some times they would run right at him and he would get out of position, take bad angles. It looked really rough. He had one really awesome play where he was kind of getting blocked and reached out with one hand and happened to be able to catch the guy. That's cool. But overall, it looked like he didn't really know where to be in run defense. That's going to really limit his draft stock. (laughs) If your only usage is going to be as a pure pass rusher in only in rush situations in purely in the like four defensive lineman rush packages, you're not really going to get drafted to do that necessarily. No, you might get picked up and make it through training camp once or twice. Um, So needs to work on that. I will say, I don't want to judge him off a single game. I haven't watched him this extensively before, like focusing on his run defense abilities I will definitely want to keep up with him for this reason, though. If he can't clean that up, he's not going to be drafted. But, man, is he actually a really good pass rusher and did create a bunch of pressures, even when he was still being blocked by one or two guys at a time, still felt like he was influencing the play from a pass rush standpoint. So I don't know what to make of him, I guess, necessarily. I don't – Right now, I don't see him necessarily getting drafted. I think the big thing you got to consider, too, is this is week zero for a Conference USA team that's very, very mid. That's being a little generous, generous. even saying that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, we just got to, we got to see how the season really plays out for him. That's what it really comes down to, in my opinion. No, 100%. It's definitely going to be a long season. Week zero, I'm, I tend to give a lot more passes to these players again. Not only is it going in cold with not having any real like competition ahead of time. Not going in cold in Texas, man. It was like 130 on the field. It was God crazy. Damn it. <laughs> um, but it's – you had less time to prepare for the game. So you're, you're not going to be as polished, especially in week zero. Right. Definitely. So well, that does it for week zero. Uh, we will not be doing every week like this. We talked about literally every game that just happened, which was awesome. But also that would take, I don't know, way seven hours to do on a regular week. <laughs> and that might not I, be. I like justice. doing the show. I don't like doing the show that much. That's a you problem. Gotta say. <laughs> no, but we will be talking about, uh, In the very next episode here, we will have our week one preview, which will have top 25 matchups. We'll make picks for, and we're going to do something very exciting to at least talk about six more games every week uh, across the country, all over the place. Keep up that prospect preview series and maybe some other fun stuff in there. Got to stay tuned, folks. This is going to be a very awesome, awesome college football season. Very much looking forward to the entire journey with you fellas absolutely looking forward to it it got weirdly real and sentimental at the last moment i was not ready for that even as i was the one saying it Uh oh i gotta say too you know i I, 
I, as much as I enjoy college football, I enjoy a little nostalgia as well. Now, I, I think I talked about it on the show. I watched the, the Johnny Manziel documentary uh, not too long ago. You talked about and, it. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. There were some things missing. Uh, the Swamp Kings documentary on Netflix. Four episodes of an Urban Meyer jerk-off fest, and nobody asked any important questions. Uh, it was fun. It was fun because those teams were fun. So it was definitely fun to go down memory lane and kind of relive some of that, see a little inside behind the curtain. Uh, but there is so much figure that was left out of that. I was going to say, figure out how like a team of convicts won. Yeah. You know, all that stuff that you wanted to hear about, they didn't talk yeah. about it at all. Oh. They didn't talk about it at all. So that that's kind of depressing. If you, if you hate the Florida Gators and you hated Tim Tebow at Florida, you're not going to enjoy this. If you enjoyed the ride that was the Florida Gators, it was a great time. But man, see, I enjoyed Tim Tebow at Florida, and I enjoyed like Percy Harvin at Florida, that kind yeah. of stuff. But very, very little else about Florida that I actually liked at that time. So I will be abstaining. Yeah, <laughs> if you, yeah, you could you could just skip the first episode then, just start on episode two and watch watch through the end. Conversely, though. A actual good documentary on Netflix because it wasn't done by Untold is the Muscles and Mayhem, the American Gladiators one, because uh, like three of those guys were were strike NFL players, uh, and they found their way into the American Gladiators. That one's actually a good time, so enjoy enjoy that if you're looking for a random documentary to watch. I've also heard that the documentary on Bishop Sycamore on Max is legitimately oh my really good. Oh my god! There, okay, I know what I'm doing tonight. I think it's yep. called BS High. It is. <laughs> no shit. It is. All right. Well, I'm and, watching uh, that tonight. Thank you. Thank you for the tip. <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna be a great story. <laughs> I will. We will report. I'll report back on Thursday with uh, with All my right. findings that's of good. it. I'll do. I'll do a little breakdown of it then. Uh, <laughs> Tug, we're gonna we're gonna let you read uh read our links off here in a second. But I just want to let everybody know before we do do that we'll be uh checking out beast named john also known as john beast uh he's playing some madden it looks like and uh you know like i said we're we're still ironing out some things with our with our madden streams that we got coming up so we will uh we'll get oh to gosh, we'll get to do it we've here. actually said that on air by the way is it <laughs> i think it is just we're, we're ironing it out yeah, we're ironing it out. It's gonna take it's gonna take a bit. We got a we got a, a a few things to figure out. I think is probably the the nicest way to put it. But we'll yeah. get there. We'll get there. There's a reason we're raiding mad streamers. All right. Yep. I will say before I get into the links, uh, there is a big name college kickoff game. I believe it's on Thursday this week. Uh, believe it's also a weird neutral side. I think Utah's technically the home team against Florida. Uh, so that is, I believe, a Thursday night game. Nope, that's a real home game for for Utah. It was in okay. the swamp last year. Okay. Yep. Either way, Thursday, not Saturday. So week one starts while we are streaming. Uh, yes. Doug, you're going to have to choose between Pac-12 football and streaming. I'm with us. going to record it and watch it right immediately afterwards. <laughs> what's going to happen? It's in Rice Eccles Stadium, which was is one of the most beautiful stadiums in all of college football. Y'all haters. It's going to be I will Big 12, probably, so you can actually approve of it in a couple of years. I will <laughs> probably have the game on behind me as it's going on. Yeah, don't do that. We'll get taken down, please. Don't do that. You can't see my TV. <laughs> I could right then when you swiveled. You see the corner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's That's Disney, enough. bro. Look, the, the, NF, so the NFL hasn't <laughs> taken us down, and I've done this with the draft at least three times. He's still scary. I'm, I'm terrified don't do it please read us out john <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen uh the links will as always be linked in the description below but i will read them here for you as these two uh lovely gentlemen require me to do every week well it's it's part of your contract with us actually so what, i haven't seen know. this contract so if you want to renegotiate you know we can discuss that at a later time you're you're signed on for another four years with this deal though 
<laughs> All right, but ladies and gentlemen, you can find us at patreon.com slash BT football, x.com slash BT football, facebook.com slash BT football, instagram.com slash BT underscore football, BT football.com, mailbox at BT football.com, youtube.com slash at big dudes in the trenches. Our Discord link is scrolling and it will be linked. I'm sorry, I'm not reading it out. You have bloodline network.com with our new great friends over at the Bloodline Entertainment Network. Uh, this will be fantastic. I'm excited for this season. I'm ready to get rolling. How about you guys? I mean, it's already rolling, man. I know. I can't, can't stop it now. It's ah. already rolling down the tracks. Wow, what a great podcast. Hey, how do you improve Phenomenal. your archery? Do you shoot more? Aerodynamics. Yeah, fair. That's not what aerodynamics means, but okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching and/or listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win the training.